Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. How odd of God to choose the Jews. You know that little couplet? It's been ascribed to a lot of different people. I've heard it ascribed to Hilaire Belloc, the great Catholic writer, also to Dorothy Sayer. But I went on the uh, internet, I went on Google, I put in that, that famous couplet, and it said that William Norman Ewer, who was a British journalist, died in 1976, is the one who first said, how odd of God to choose the Jews. I mention it because I think it's very important for biblical people to meditate upon. There is something at the heart of biblical religion, the scholars call it the scandal of particularity, that God chose this particular people, and that from this particular people came the particular Jesus who founded this particular church. Whenever we're tempted to say, oh, religion is a great general truth that everyone sort of believes more or less in the same way, we remember how out of God to choose the Jews. He chose a very particular people. Think of it this way. Every culture, great and small, over the centuries has its stories its histories, its legends. When I was in high school studying Latin, I read the Aeneid, which is the great national poem of Rome. And it embodies all the great Roman virtues, the Roman gods are on display. It's the Roman version, if you will, of the Bible. When you're studying Greek, you'd read the Iliad, the Odyssey of Homer. Well, they too are like the Bible of the ancient Greeks, the gods and goddesses, the great heroes, all the values that animate Greek society? Sure. Or, if you're a real serious comparative mythologist, comparative religion person, you might read the Epic of Gilgamesh. You might read the stories and sagas of the ancient peoples of the world, from China and India to Iceland to the Eskimos, the Native Americans. All the great cultures of the world have their stories. And you know what? Most of them are fascinating. Most of them are full of insights and deep truths and important things. But how odd of God to choose the Jews. How odd that though we read those legends, stories, and myths, and so on, with pleasure and, and insight, we don't proclaim them at the liturgy. We don't read an Eskimo myth and then say, this is the word of the Lord. We don't read the Iliad and the Odyssey, even as we admire them and deeply respect them. We don't read them at Mass and then say, this is the word of the Lord. Rather, we read the particular and peculiar stories, poems, histories, sagas about the ancient Jews. When we read those stories, we do indeed say, this is the word of the Lord. And we do indeed say, Thanks be to God. Hmm, what is it that makes these stories divine revelation?
How odd that God chose this particular people. How odd that these particular stories are the ones that we read as the Word of God. So what was it? What was it? Were the Jews the most powerful nation in the ancient world? Hardly. Romans, Greeks, Egyptians, Persians, Babylonians, any number of peoples were more powerful. Were they the most politically and culturally influential? Hardly. There was a brief period under David and Solomon when Israel had a kind of regional influence, but they were never one of the great powers. Maybe God chose them because they had the most impressive kings. Come on, read the Old Testament. Sure, David and Solomon are seen as great figures, but the sinfulness of David and Solomon are on full display. After them, before them, the kings were pretty much of a disaster. Saul to Absalom to Ahab and the whole slew of them. Most of the kings of Israel were pretty mediocre to spiritually problematic figures. What are two of the most important moments in the history of Israel? The time of their slavery in Egypt and the time of their exile in Babylon. I'd be willing to bet, Christians, that most other people telling their great national sagas, they'd skip over those sections. You know, If they were enslaved and exiled, why don't we just drop those chapters out? But no, in the story of this people, those are major parts. So what's going on? Why these people? Why their stories? Maybe it is because God values something other than what we value. Maybe it is that God is challenging us and saying what you tend to think is most beautiful, most important, most enduring is not. I submit to you, Christians, there is a transformation of consciousness involved in reading the Bible and saying that the Bible is the Word of God. It means our usual presuppositions are turned upside down. How odd of God to choose the Jews. Right. How odd that these are our stories. Now, all that's meant to be a little introduction to our reading for today, our first reading, which is from the book of the prophet Zechariah. I'll tell you a little bit about him. We don't know too much about him. He flourished around the year 500 B.C., which means he was acting and writing as the Israelites were returning from the exile in Babylon. Now, this is a battered people, just been conquered, carried away. They've endured decades of humiliation, and now they're coming back home, and they're looking for you know, a word of hope. They're looking for some sense of God still being with them. So during that time, this prophet Zechariah arises. What does he tell them? He tells them, have hope. Because a Messiah is coming. Have hope. God is not going to abandon you. Have hope. The Lord's still with you. Listen to him now. This is from our reading. Rejoice heartily, O daughter Zion. Shout for joy, O daughter Jerusalem. See, your king shall come to you. Okay, good. That sounds predictable. 
We've just been knocked around by the king of Babylon. Our ancestors were knocked around by the king of Egypt. We want a strong king. Good. And Zechariah seems to be promising this. Strong king, going to lead us back to prominence. You know? This is what Romans, Greeks, Babylonians, they all want the same thing. They want power, prominence, etc. Okay. But then now, listen to what he says as he goes on. And this tells you all the difference between the Bible and other texts. See, your king shall come to you. A just savior is he, meek and riding on an ass, on a colt, the foal of an ass. Okay, now people listening to Zechariah are going to say, okay, I was with you the first part of that thing. The king's coming, you know. But the second part, I I don't get this. Run this by me again. Meek? Meek? The new king is going to be meek? Look, we don't need meek. We need strong. We don't need meek. We need someone powerful. The king of Babylon is not going to mess around. The king of Egypt is awfully strong. Meek? But then this beautiful detail riding on a donkey. More to it, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Well, now wait a minute. Conquering kings, they're meant to ride on fine, you know, Arabian chargers. They're meant to be like those Roman leaders on big horses. (laughs) You're saying that the new king is going to be riding on a donkey? In fact, a baby donkey? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. (laughs) This is not the king that they'd be expecting. He goes on, listen. He will banish the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. Okay, now let me get this straight. The new king that's coming to rescue us, right, that God will send to us, he will banish the chariot from Ephraim. What's Ephraim? Ephraim is the northern part of Israel. That's their own country. And he's going to banish the chariot from it, meaning he's banishing our weapons. And he's going to banish the horse from Jerusalem. Well, Jerusalem is the capital of the country, our country. What's the horse? The horse is a symbol of power. It would be like saying tanks today, you know, or bombs today, or planes. He's going to banish the horse and the chariot? That's what we defend ourselves with. So, the king who's coming is nonviolent, he's meek, and he's riding on a donkey. <laughs> Whatever God has in mind ain't what the nations of the world have in mind when it comes to kings. Now, this story, as you can guess, gets even more interesting for us Christians. Because about 500 years after Zechariah wrote these words, There appeared a prophet up in Ephraim. Ephraim is northern Israel. Towns like Nazareth and Capernaum and Naim. Towns up there, there appeared this prophet who began to say things like this. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who maltreat you. Someone strikes you on the one cheek, turn and give them the other. Resist not evil. The one who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Love, compassion, forgiveness. This prophet appeared in Ephraim. You know what he did? He banished the chariots from Ephraim. That's what he did. He spoke a message of peace and nonviolence. And then, at the culminating point of his career, this prophet 
came to Jerusalem. He didn't ride a fine Arab charger. He didn't march in like the kings of Rome and Greece and Babylon. But rather, precisely as Zechariah said, he rode in on a baby donkey and proclaimed himself king of the Jews. The messianic prophecy of Zechariah came true in Jesus of Nazareth, who, when he was nailed to his cross, had over the cross a sign that said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. It announced it in Greek and Latin and Hebrew, so no one could miss it. It was announced to all the world that the new king had indeed arrived. And he arrived just as Zechariah said he would. Not wielding the power of the world, but wielding God's power, the power of nonviolence, of compassion, forgiveness, love. Now, now, you could say, this is a joke. It was a joke when Zechariah said it 500 years before. It's a joke now. But you know what? That's the one that God raised from the dead. He didn't raise any of the Roman emperors from the dead. He didn't raise the Greek kings from the dead. He didn't raise the Babylonian kings from the dead. He raised that strange king from the dead. Thereby vindicating the prophecy of Zechariah and thereby showing as fully and radically as possible how odd this story is. How odd these texts are. How countercultural, how unlike the assumptions of the world. And Christians, it's in that oddness of love, compassion, peace, nonviolence that we find our way. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.